You are through to the Happily Ever Queer, We're Here and We're Fucking Queer podcast. And I'm Ross, and I've got an amazing guest who's our first guest, and her name is Kate Louise. Welcome, Kate Louise. Thank you, my darling. How are you? Great to be here. Good. We are so, so thrilled to have you here, and we're really, really excited to get to know you and get to know your story. Um. And just obviously want to say that it's a massive privilege that you allowed us to tell your story because I know that these situations and life can be really, really difficult. And as you know, I'm on a journey to completely change the narrative, make things easier, and hopefully we can help people and inspire people. So I absolutely agree with that. If I can help, I will, my darling. Good. Perfect. So, Kate Louise, you are a transgender woman. You're 45 and you've been transitioning since May 2022. How That's does right. it feel to be living your authentic life now? Oh my gosh. To to live to live as me. Yeah. After so many years is it's exciting. I think above all, above anything else, it's a privilege to, to, be, to have the opportunity to be who I am around everybody, whether it be in work or professional, um, at home with my friends. It's such a privilege. And I, I think we'll get into it later in the, in the, in the discussion, but we, to, to have had such a positive journey, is, I've been so lucky. I, I can only assume, and, and, and to, to, to have the journey that I've had since May last year yeah. has gone so quickly. Yeah. Um, but to, to be who I am is amazing. Good. It really is. Dark. Good. I think, like, we are, we just, like, and we've spoken about this before, obviously, we've touched base. We just want to preface that, obviously, the stories, your story, and I've said it before, kind of, when I've spoken about my coming out story, is, we are we are here to offer advice. We're not here to take anyone's story away from them. We are just wanting to help. And we understand that some situations people are privileged for and others might not have experienced the same sort of positivity. So we just want to highlight that. Um, and we just want to highlight the fact that we are we are here to help. So let's get into it. So you were born Greg Cole. You were assigned a male at birth. However, that was the wrong gender for you. Tell us about your earlier life, your feelings and your memories. Wow. Well, I, for a long time, I didn't really have many memories about my early life. I, I've always had a very happy life, but I, I could never really recall my uh, my early my early childhood. It was only after I started, um, and I've been through eight, about eighteen months worth of um, gender counselling, that helped me connect with those early memories. And the, uh, the the story I tell, the earliest memory I have that I felt, I've always felt different. Um, and it was towards the kind of late late eighties. There wasn't really many many characteristics or many much information. Certainly wasn't information about trans. Um, in the, the little rural town I grew up in. But my, my memory of being different stems from a, a very early experience in, a, in, in primary school. I remember being stood on the school field 
and I've got a group of girls in, in my class that I was friends with off playing kiss chase or, or, or something of, of that and a group of boys that went off playing football and I was quite literally and philosophically stood in the middle I knew exactly where I wanted to be which was playing with the girls mm. but I went as it's been and I will have been about eight or nine years old as I went to play football as that was what I believed was expected of me mm-hmm. and that that pattern through my life has has, has kind of repeated mm-hmm. I put myself to be a male yeah um, not because anybody's put any pressure on me and I want to be very clear on that I've never felt pressured to do anything mm-hmm. but I always believed that was the expectation of me to be a male and yeah. to be the best man I could be yeah so I got good at playing football I played a lot, of, a lot of football. I got good at running. I got good at school. I got good at work. All the way through my career, I've been recognised for being the best, mm-hmm. and that fueled this kind of this actor that I created for well, the best part of thirty-five years. That that ultimately wasn't me. It was mm-hmm. the alpha male that was so far away from who I actually really was. Yeah, but it was. I became such a good actor. I think. Yeah. That you know, nobody. Nobody would have guessed, nobody knew when I when I came out to people about being trans, it was the last thing they expected. Mm. Because yeah. I was this this kind of I guess this, this in all but physique, I was the alpha male. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd always have the best job, I'd always have the biggest car or the nicest house yeah. or the best job. I'd always have to yeah. run the company. You know, I'd never be yeah. happy just working. I'd have to yeah, be the of best. Mm-hmm. And it, it never made me satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I always felt yeah yeah no I completely get that I think there's and I've been having this conversation with someone else and I feel like it seems really silly but when you are a part of like the LGBTQ plus community I I personally think that you automatically feel that you have to be the best so people don't think about either your sexuality or your identity or your gender like for instance I like very much like you work in the corporate world and I've always needed I've always felt I needed to be the best so I wouldn't have people think what's this gay boy doing you know like or think about my sexuality because what they should be thinking about is the fact that how well I do my job um so yeah. no, I completely resonate with that. Did you did you consciously do that, Ross? Did you did you consciously um try to be the best because you were hiding you were consciously hiding the fact yeah. that you were gay? Yeah, I, I yeah, I went out like if I put like say if definitely in the corporate world, if I put my mind to something, it would be a case of I have to do this and I have to be the best. So actually, you can't then target me uh... for my sexuality. See, that's a bit different to, to me. And I never I never felt that pressure to hide it. I just felt it was a dirty secret that was my own. And I, I pushed yeah. so far into being the, the masculine mm-hmm. that I just hit it. It wasn't, it wasn't consciously I need to be the best because I um I need to hide this. It was yeah. my own feeling that I had to hide mm-hmm. and bury it. To to become the best was a, an internal drive to to mask it, really. It yes. wasn't to it wasn't that I, I felt. I mean, maybe I wasn't even aware of what what I was. In fact, I, well, I know I wasn't aware of what I was because no, I was only in the last two or three years. No, of course. So, did you? So, from was there a a particular time when the 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 feel the feeling that you had 
became overwhelming. Can you remember that age that you were? What age was that? Yep. Uh, 43. <laughs> oh, my God. So you, you as soon as kind of you could be old it's, enough to... Uh, I buried this for, for so long. It, oh. I almost believed it myself. Okay. Um, I believed the, the actor that I created. I mean, I, I was, I was married for seventeen years. I've got two beautiful children, mm-hmm. um, and my wife wouldn't, wouldn't married the alpha male. Um, mm-hmm. She married the person that the, the, the man that she she thought, and I, I kept it from her until really, yeah, probably 42, 43 years old. So only yeah, three three or four years ago, when I. I don't know. It, it was as as my career became less fulfilling. Yeah. It, it just and I'd reached that point where actually there was nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And it, I had to take stock of who I was. You know, all of a sudden, like the actor that I'd built completely linked to my career. Yeah. Didn't have anything, and it, it was almost as though. And I, it's it sounds very dramatic, and I I, uh, I I make no apologies for it actually. No. But it, the person that the, the person that um, that I'd created started to crumble. Okay. Yeah. And when that when that person crumbled, actually, mm-hmm. you're left with nothing but dealing with yourself, and it it led to um, a diagnosis of depression. Um, with that, the beginning of 2002, um, right. when I felt that is when I recognised I needed to get serious help. Um, yeah. And. Now, and I remember that the words will stay and haunt me for the rest of my life. I think it's important we talk about this. Yeah, of course. Um, maybe a trigger warning to 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 to, to people yeah. that are listening. So I I remember saying to saying to my wife it was over early hours of one morning. I'd not been sleeping, and I remember saying to her, "I need a break from life." Mm-hmm. And it was those words that convinced me that I needed to get the diagnosis of depression. I needed to take action, yeah. and that started that process of. Of actually acknowledging who I was, mm-hmm. and the fact well, the, the the eighteen months of counselling was designed around answering two questions. The first was who am I, yeah, and the second, what do I want to do about it? Given the yeah. magnitude, and this is perhaps pertinent to people that are transitioning later in life, yeah, is you're going to have consequences of the decision you make, yeah. And I course. had a, a, a very very long marriage. I had my children. I had a, a, a very successful career. Making a decision to acknowledge that I am indeed a woman and transition and yeah. live as a woman had big consequences. So I spent a lot of time just answering those two questions. And I and I look back and think, actually, that's the most important thing I did. No matter yeah. what else has happened through transition, whether it be hormones yeah. or surgery or laser or beauty therapy or whatever, whatever it is, the most important thing I did was yeah. that work at the start, that, that real effort to understand who I am. And yeah. What I want to do about it, and and that coupled with that that kind of depressive episode mm-hmm. forced me into action. And I, I I make no no secret if I hadn't have done something, I don't think I'd have made my fiftieth birthday. Yeah, and I think yeah. that is that's imperative that it that you make just the smallest the smallest acknowledgement can actually change your life completely. And I completely wholeheartedly agree with you on that. So. From the age of three up until obviously present time a couple of years ago, were you were you just you weren't living your authentic self? Were you doing anything? You were just the person you were before. The, I think the thing with, with me, I always I, I I felt it. I felt it was always easier to hide mm-hmm. if I was in a relationship. So okay. getting towards 14, 15, 16 years old, 
it was if I had a girlfriend at yeah. the time, I could in my mind imagine actually this desire that you have to be feminine. Yeah. Get rid of it because no, nobody understands that. You've got a girlfriend. Why why would she why would you expect her to understand what you're doing is and it's wrong. And it mm-hmm. I, I demonized and, and shamed and created guilt around actually what I who I was. So as I moved from relationship to relationship and I had a lot of long-term relationships, I was okay, but those periods in between, they were periods of dressing and, and expressing myself um, yeah. privately and in, in a very sordid manner. And yeah. I felt it was very sordid. I felt it was very, um, which is which is so wrong looking back now, but actually that's exactly how I felt. And I'm sure people that have been in the same situation will understand that feeling of guilt and not not being able to connect what you're doing with who you are, mm-hmm. and for me, you know, there was no there was no Google. <laughs> I couldn't go and Google what to, nice. what was going on. It was mm-hmm. well, actually, this just feels wrong. Mm-hmm. It's shameful. My football coach wouldn't understand. My girlfriend wouldn't understand. My mom and dad wouldn't understand. My manager wouldn't understand, and it just got buried and buried and buried, coupled with being good at pretending to be a male which became a self-fulfilling prophecy around that and I always remember my, my counsellor saying to me that all behaviour serves a purpose mm-hmm. and it was a really powerful thing actually it took away a lot of that guilt mm-hmm. actually that what, what that purpose was doing to create this person wasn't wrong it was no. protecting me until this point and and I kind of see as Greg has taken a shift to the, the background Kate has emerged and yeah. and I, I actually very much see Greg as being the protector of Kate through my life. Kate's always been there, but Greg has, has protected her. And you know, that, that was kind of nice, but actually the two, it's time now for, for, for Kate to shine. That like I my 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 you've just completely blown my mind because like I, I said to you when we spoke on the phone for the first time, I I I understand a little bit about transgender women, men, I understand to a very small degree the process. But what you've just said just has completely blown my mind in the sense of you've said the person you were before has protected the new you and you've transitioned and it it's complete it's just honestly it's just blown my mind because I've never I've never thought about the person before being a protector. I've 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 listened to people, I've watched someone or or whatever the case may be. And they are so quick to just discourage that person that they were before. They want they want them gone because they don't fit with the idol of what they what they believe in. Um, and I think that's great. I absolutely love that love that ideology. I think it's really really good. I respect. I respect what Greg did, and I respect. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the values that that he had, yeah, are values I want to Kate. Yeah, you know, a lot of the kindness came from from, from Greg in my yeah. opinion. And, and, and that's something I want. I want Kate to be at. Mm. So it's. I think you have to. Or for me, I felt it was important to acknowledge where I come from, who I was, so in order to move on. Because there's good things. You know, Greg had some fairly decent skills. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. So, you talk about guilt. What were you guilty? What in your head? What were you guilty for? I'm not saying that you should have felt it or you shouldn't have felt it. I'm just asking you, in your own words, what what your guilt was for. 
at the time, and well, until until very recently, the, the guilt was about doing something that, and I hate the term, but doing something that wasn't normal, doing mm-hmm. something okay. that people wouldn't understand. And it's kind of was, what? Why are you wearing a dress? Mm-hmm. You know, why do you why do you want to wear a bra? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to be a woman? Why do you want to wear makeup? Why do you want to put perfume on? It, it's not horrible. It's not normal, and people won't understand. Yeah. So that that became the, the the kind of the guilt. Yeah. Okay. That got deeper and deeper and deeper, and then, and I think, I think as I was starting out, and I, I kind of recall the early moments of it, that the, the cross dressing the was was all very sexualized. Yeah. Now the timing of it was important because I will have been you know, going through my, I guess my first puberty, yeah. Um, and, and and actually everything becomes sexualized yes, anyway. But actually the the, the cross dressing element of it became yeah. very very sexualized, and, okay. I, and I think coupled with it's not normal, all we all generated this. Mm. Oh, it's really silly. Yeah, of course. And and I kind of looking at it, looking back, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was just who I am. Yeah. And. and you know, and the, the people that, that, that cross-dress well, were not seedy. No. It's just that I didn't have an outlet. I didn't have anybody else I could talk to. You know, it wasn't <laughs> wasn't like I could, uh, could, could Google and find a, a, a group to, to meet with. Although yeah, they must course. have existed. I, I, just, um, I just thought it must just be me. I So, like, I kind of see it from... But I understand, like, what you're saying because... I so my partner he's he's 53 so I'm 29 and he's 53 so there's 24 years between us and he's from the east end of London and I'm originally from Kent I was born in Kent and our worlds are just completely different before they kind of collided he's from an era like 69 he was born I was born in 1993 so people's acceptance of certain things people's ideas of certain things we are so far like removed from each other. He's at one end of the spectrum, I'm at the other. And I completely resonate with what you're saying because he says it to me all the time. You know, back, he always says like, back in my day, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so I understand, not that I, I've experienced it, but I, under, I can understand what you're saying. Um, mm. And it must have been really, really hard to have something so overwhelming and not knowing where to go and what to do mm. i think is really really hard i, I think at the at the time i would say looking back to and, you, and your, your partner will, will probably agree to some extent looking back to the time in the sort of you know, mid to late 80s early part of the 90s you know, there, there was only two types of people yeah you were either straight or you were gay yeah um, and i felt like neither it, it yeah. wasn't like I had a I had a, anything to connect with. I, I kind of when I told my parents, my parents have been so so supportive, and my parents were in their mid seventies. So when I kind of told them the truth about who I was, to get their head around that was was amazing for them, and they've been amazing. And they they do that thing that parents do. Oh, we did, we should have noticed. What could we have done differently? Yeah. It's, it's kind of absolutely nothing. Because even if I'd have had the vocabulary, and I didn't, because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Even if I had that vocabulary. I'd have gone to them, they're caring parents, they would have listened to me. They'd have taken me to a doctor's in the uh, in the little rural town we lived in, mm-hmm. who would have probably diagnosed me as being gay. Yeah. 
And that would have been equally a wrong path for, for me as who I was. As, as, as doing so, and it's kind of they. I gave them nothing to notice. Yeah. And even if they noticed, the outcome wouldn't have wouldn't have been the right it outcome. Yeah, anyway. it wouldn't have. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And I, I, don't, I don't. I don't take any regrets in transitioning so late. I think there's quite a few quite a few benefits actually to transitioning at this age. Yeah. And and one of those is that that kind of awareness, that self awareness, that the re, the, the resilience. Yeah, of course. And the resources and the wherewithal to do it. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely understand. And do you feel that kind of, is it, again, this is just a complete, this is a question that I, I would want to know the answer to. Is it, do you feel that coming out later on in life, you understand who you are as an individual? You've lived life. Yeah. You haven't necessarily come out or understood what you need to do or your transition at a young age you've actually lived life you understand what is right for you and what is wrong for you yeah very 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 true it's 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 it, it, as, as i said having that that self-awareness i think i've always been quite self-aware mm -hmm. but to, to do to step into a process like transitioning you need to know yourself mm -hmm. you know, and, and i was i was aware enough that i needed support through professionals to help me get to that point of understanding exactly who I was and what I wanted to do about it. So, yeah, you know, when I was 13, 14, 15, I wouldn't have had that level of knowledge. Just if I was, yeah, if I was a, if I was 13, 14, 15 now, and and you know, the, the myriad of opportunities and and to a lot of extent responsibility that falls on young people's shoulders regarding the trans yeah. agenda for them must be mind blowing. Yeah, you know, I got it. I suppose quite easy. Mm. I knew it was different. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah, of course. If you're 12, 13, 14 now, then you've got options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that comes with a lot of responsibility on very young shoulders. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, I, I know the resilience I've had to show in certain part times of this transition. I yeah. wouldn't have been anything like people are doing that at 15 years old. No, of course. Yeah, no, it must be. It's, it must be really, really hard. So speaking of people then, you previously had a wife and you've got children how and obviously yes. you've got friends how was what happened when you decided that you needed to obviously speak to your loved ones what what happened how did you feel talk us through that um my wife had known I say probably since I started the counseling I was very open with my wife and, and spoke to her about it and she was so so supportive um and and really you know, while we're still together, mm -hmm. was was absolutely there for me and supportive and supported me through the counselling. So to tell her I, my secret, you know, and I had to get it out. I was all part tied up around this kind of depressive episode and and this the person that she married was crumbling. I felt like I had to tell her and I just came out and told her. I think I did it rather clumsily, if I'm honest, but uh, there's no right or wrong way. Of no, doing of course. It. No, and that's, um, I think that's something I, that we need to highlight as well yeah. is that there is no right or wrong way. You just need to do it for survival. I needed to, and, and it got that important. I had to tell her, so we discussed it. We arranged to, for me to go and have some counselling, you know, and she was really supportive. We didn't tell the children anything about it at this stage. My children are, well, at the time, would have been what, eight and four, they're now ten and six. Um, so they, we didn't tell them anything about anything that was happening. We went through that kind of counselling process. We got to the point where I came out the other end of it and 
I knew who I was, I knew what I needed to do. And my wife and I had the honest conversation and the respect I hold for her for not just saying, let's try and get on with it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing because she was honest enough with me mm-hmm. that said, actually, no, you're not the person I'm attracted to. You're not the person I'm married. And I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's not like I, want, I would ever hide that from her. And, and, and actually, if you think about it, the, the, the kind of two ends of the spectrum on it was, was I've got a I've got something I need to be and a person I am. Yeah. And my wife had got a, a kind of a person she's attracted to. There was no meat in the middle. Because for Jody to for, sorry, for my wife to um yeah, for my wife to uh sorry. For my wife to change and meet in the middle, she would have mm. had to change her sexuality. Yeah. Which you can't, you know, you, you can't do. You either, and, and she would have to be attracted to a female. Yeah. Now, that is as hard, if not harder, than at the other end of the spectrum, me deciding that actually I've got to put this back in a box again. Mm. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't a position where there was a compromise opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, and I, I will respect her and, and care for her. I still love her. To, that she, she made that decision and she was, you know, she was gonna happy to walk and stand on her own two feet as well and yeah, start her life. Yeah. Um, so, so we agreed to we agreed to separate. Um, I'm well. I'm, I moved out of the family home. I went to uh, I actually went to live with my mum and dad for the first time in far too many years, which was. Uh, <laughs> I you were like, oh God, yeah. <laughs> testament to how good my mum and dad were. Was you know they they accepted it. I they, they just moved in like you know, it was almost like I never left. Honestly, it was yeah. Oh, that's I, I, amazing. And then they just accepted me, and, and that was that was really nice. So I then told, or the very early stages, I told I've got two two really good friends. One um one one ex work colleague that um, lives up in the northwest. Yeah. Uh, a, a guy that I go running with um on a regular basis. I've been running with the past three or four years. Um, yeah. So I told I, I told him one that we were my wife and I were separating and two that I was uh, I was transgender, and it as most of the conversations I've had, broadly unremarkable. Yeah, it, it was oh, doesn't change who you are. Mm-hmm. You, you, back to the values that Greg had. Yeah, actually, that that is who I am, and you know the fact you know, I'm presenting and and being a woman didn't change their views, and it, it was. Now we have a half an hour chat about it, and then we get on to talking like we've always talked. Yeah, of course. And that, that has followed through pretty much all the way through my um, my experiences, um, whether it be going out to, to sales pitches or business meetings as Kate. You know, I will introduce myself as Kate. There's normally a slide in the presentation where I've got an old photo of Greg on on there, and it you know broadly it's it's amazing what you can do with um, with, with with hormones and makeup. <laughs> and we, yeah. we we kind of set the things up. Yeah, I don't take myself too seriously, um, no. and I think that's important in in, make, in preparing people not to be awkward. Yeah, um, so I kind of set that level in a in a in a pitch, and I normally get oh congratulations, that's very brave of you, really pleased. Now tell us about what you're here to tell us about. It, yeah, it really, is, and and that that level of unremarkableness if that's actually a word if that level of, of being unremarkable is exactly what i want um i don't want to stand out i don't need to stand out no um especially in that context yeah yeah so, no i 
I, I was just going to no. I was just going to say I. So I kind of look at it. The more that like, the older that I've got, I kind of look at people in the sense of it doesn't matter what I'm looking at. It really doesn't matter to me, and it doesn't even like people's voices. That doesn't. I don't care. It just. I've just. I've kind of as much as I as an individual. I'm very very. I'm quite a hard individual. I've been through an awful lot, but I've, I'm very hard. But equally, when it comes to things like this, I just. It doesn't. It honest. It just doesn't phase me. I don't know whether because I'm a part of the community, but it just. And I said this to you when I first met, like when we first spoke. I was just like it. It just doesn't. I don't look at any like it. Just yeah. It just doesn't. Doesn't yeah. I just I'm waffling. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah, but I, and I think that's it doesn't necessarily reflect just because you're part of the LGBT no. community. I think I think mean, my experience and this is where my experience I think may differ from others. And I've got to say that I am. It, yeah, it may not be the same for everybody, but everywhere I've been, I've been met with that completely remarkable response. Yeah, of course. You know, when, and and I, I can't I count myself very lucky because not everybody gets that. There's there's friends that I I talk to on Instagram. That don't have that experience yeah um, and it's wrong that that's the case and, and the world needs to change and catch up with itself but for me i've had that positive journey and it's, it's something i'll remain thankful for and i write about it a lot in my on my instagram that the level of gratitude i feel one for being who i am mm -hmm. but two for the support i received throughout the journey yeah of course completely so you've got two children as you say yes they are they now fully understanding what has happened are they happy what is what sort of how are they that the story that i think i'll tell and I'm, I'm gonna caveat it with it sounds like a horrible story but it yeah. ends really positively okay <laughs> I, I, once um I, I told all my work colleagues most of my friends have known and i was starting to present more and more as kate in in everyday life yeah that was the time now we realised that I had to tell my children. Um, mm -hmm. they, they needed to know for, for two reasons. One, I felt that if we don't tell them something like this and they get to, I don't know, 15, 16 years old and they find out, what does that say about the level of trust we have in our children? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay. So, 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 so important. I, I don't want them thinking that we didn't trust them enough to tell them. Yeah. Really important thing. And the second reason I wanted to tell them was that you know, what a great role model I can be to them about being yourself, about yeah. having courage, having resilience, yeah. having positive energy to be yeah. the person that you are. Um, and that has been, you know, so, so I, I made that decision that I wanted to tell them. Um, my wife had, well, we, we'd kind of differ, differed on opinion in terms of the timing on this. You've frozen, by the way, Ross. Have I frozen? Yeah. It's all right. I'll probably catch up. No I'll worries. Okay. Up. Well, as long as you can, you can hear it. Yeah, no, I can see you. Yeah, it's probably, I live in the middle of nowhere, so it's probably the internet. No worries. That's okay. I'm sure we can edit this. <laughs> <laughs> but my, we, we differed a little bit on, on kind of timings. In the general principle, we'd agreed, but I think the timings were um, were a little bit, yeah, a little bit out. So we'd... Um, what what my what what I'd always said is that if my children ever ask me the question, I yeah. will never lie. To them. Um, okay, and that that was uh, that that was important. So what I've been doing, I've been coming home from work on a on a Friday, just taking the makeup off, yeah. putting not 
particularly boy clothes. I've actually purchased all my boy clothes now. But I'm not bringing them back to mind for the weekend. Um, but this one Friday, it had been, been a horrible day at work, and I had been so busy, and I'd, I'd been behind on everything. I rushed into the house, quickly took my makeup off, got uh, got, got changed, and I'd happened to leave my boots um, in the middle of the living room. Right. Okay. And I'd not until I went to pick the children up. We came back, walked in the uh, walked in the living room, and my oh, my heart sank. I thought, oh my gosh. Right. I can't lie to them. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get a new mummy, and, that, and all that sort of situation creates a, a very much a, a different lie that I didn't want to tell. So I just yeah, said, of course. They're, they're mine, darling. To which my my youngest boy, um, uh, who's six, says, yeah, that's okay, daddy. Boys can wear boots too. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to take that from positive. And what followed was kind of five minutes of them both tottering up and down my my living room in my uh, in, in my boots, which was so cute. It really yeah, of was. And then, course. And then um, so like, actually, this is going really well. This is the right time now to to talk to them and tell them who I am, how I've been feeling, the fact that actually from about the same age that they are now, I've felt this way. Yeah. Um, and uh, we we kind of got to a point where they were kind of okay mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden and yeah the, the the look in her eyes and the the ashen face that my daughter went she really retracted on herself she really went in on herself and she again more words that will stick to stick with me until i die she said to me daddy i'm begging you not to be a woman you've always been a man ever since i've known you please don't change and i I thought, oh, what do you say to that as a as a parent? I have no idea. And the only thing I could say at the time was, nothing's going to change, darling. I gave her the biggest hug. Um, there's, I mean, the tears and the sobs were were were, were heart wrenching. They really were. So I took her, got finally got them settled in bed. It was fairly fairly late by the time they got down. There was more tears, but I got them settled. I said, look, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. Not knowing how I'm going to live up to that promise at this point. Yeah. And I, I came back downstairs, sat on the sofa, and started taking stock of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I... Sorry, I, I get a little bit emotional. No, I... I... Um, but it's okay, it's important the story gets told, so I, I wanted to end on a positive okay. But the uh, I, I just, I, I, I'd worked out, I, I don't have a past. Yeah, I don't have a past that I recognise. Mm -hmm. If I was to to listen to my daughter, mm -hmm. well, I don't have a future either. Um, because what parent would go against a a, a daughter that is saying, oh, "I beg you not to change." So, you know, I I was left at that moment. This sounds incredibly selfish, by the way, and it's not meant to. But I I felt like I had nothing. Um, and I I had serious I serious serious con um thoughts about ending my life. Yeah. Um, had it not been for a very, very close friend of mine that I'd told that pretty much had me on suicide watch all evening. Mm -hmm. um, I remember him texting, saying, you must text me every hour. And if I don't get the text, I'm round. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that my children were in the house with me, I, I went to make the morning. And that is, 
the, the two the two episodes in my life that I felt like that the first one with the depression the second one then and I think to talk about it it's hard to talk about but I think it helps me in that it um and it, it was it was a, it was a very low point and I had I had those dark thoughts and I think it's important that I do continue to talk about those one because it brings awareness that these things are real but also it helps me realize how irrational those sensations were and, and it helps me get over that that process so thank you for giving me the time so that's that's pick up the story from there that i kind of went to bed didn't sleep um we all got up in the morning and did our usual saturday morning thing the children didn't mention anything we went to the bakery we went and i think we went and found some pokemon over in the local park and uh and did you know normal things and it it was eating me up inside that you know the children hadn't said anything and I kind of got to the mid-afternoon. We made plans to go to the cinema um, on the Saturday evening. And it got to the middle of the afternoon and it was, you know, I was in bits. I was, my, my tummy was just turning. I knew I had to, I either had to bring closure or I had to find a find a, a way in and find another way of opening the conversation again. And, and I, I remember I, sat, I was sat on the sofa and said to my daughter, I said, so we're going to the cinema this evening. How would you feel if I wore my boots? Um, and without a moment's hesitation, and this is a 10-year-old girl, without a moment's hesitation, she said, I'd love that, Daddy. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh gosh. The, 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 the processing that she's done, independently, quietly, in her own time, in, what, 14 or 15 hours, has brought her completely around. And I thought, well, that is it's testament to her maturity. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, okay, well, at the moment, she really she really wants to be a fashion stylist and a, a designer. Um, so I kind of said to her, "Okay, well, what what should I wear with those with those boots then?" And again, no mo not a moment's hesitation. I know what, Daddy. We'll go and have a look in your wardrobe. I thought, oh, this is amazing. And so off we go, all three of us up to my wardrobe, and it's yeah. Believe me, I lost a lot of pieces in this process too, but she picked out an amazing outfit for me that no, I would have picked myself to go to the cinema with. And then she, she, she said the cutest thing. She said, Daddy, I want to be your personal stylist. Oh, okay, you've got the job. And, and her little brother, who's six, said, I want to be your assistant. And it's, so I'd, I'd gone from having a, a, a completely futile position mm -hmm. to being actually some really, really positive outcome. And, and, and I think that taught me a lot yeah. um, about resilience. Mm -hmm. But actually, it taught me a lot about, about them as children that they they are capable. You know, at ten and six, they're capable of processing this stuff. Um, and you know, the fact that well, since then, it's been unremarkable. They engage with me as as Kate, as, as a, in a completely normal manner. In fact, they they also said on that evening that they wanted to paint my nails. They said, oh, "Daddy, can we paint your nails this evening?" And I I said yes. They didn't do a great job. I've got to be honest, but uh, you know, I kept the nails <laughs> on for the evening. <laughs> yeah. The beauty therapist is not. I'm going to be worried at this point. <laughs> they, they did a great job, and, and and since then, you know, they they just engage with me completely normally, um, as as though it is unremarkable. And, and I think what's what they've seen is that my me towards them, the degree of love I have for them, um my role to them hasn't changed a bit. You know, I'm still their daddy. I will always be their daddy. 
Yeah. I, I can never be, I, I will never be their mummy and neither would I want to take that place. Yeah. They've got a mummy. I, I've no interest and will not take that place. I will always be their daddy. Daddy is not a gendered role. Actually, when you yeah. think about it, a, a daddy is just to provide support, to provide coaching, to provide guidance, to provide love, mm-hmm. to be a taxi service, to be a mm-hmm. bank, you know, all those sort of things that, that are not really gendered, if you think about it. So I'm, I'm more than happy, and they, they refer to me as daddy, irrespective of, of, of how I'm presenting. And I don't mind that. That's no. exactly the way it should be. And until they decide that they want to change that, I will be their daddy, and I will be their daddy forever. And I think that is that is is reassured them over the past two or three months since we told them mm. that you know that it's okay actually that you know, mm. daddy is still daddy in fact truth be told i'm a better daddy to them now than because i've you're... ever been yeah um, because you're yourself yeah no i completely i completely agree and i what i wanted to ask you with kind of like this situation with say your wife and your children do you feel that they've had to grieve the loss of the person you were before? Like, especially, say, your wife, because obviously you're no longer who she married. But I feel, and and please, if I'm wrong, tell me, I feel like your children, all that's changed is your appearance. Nothing else has changed. You're still the same person. And a, a better version of that person, I think. But yeah, yeah you, you're right. It's an interesting phrase that the grieving for the loss of of um, of Greg. I think he's exactly right because that's how I feel. You know, yeah, I, I I process that kind of that that retraction of Greg um, into the, the the birth of Kate, really. But my wife sees it very much um, sees it very much as a grieving process for the person that that she loved, yeah, who no longer exists, and, and that. Again, that's something that will take a lot of time for her, mm-hmm. and she can. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're friends. Um, yeah, and she and I. I want her. I, I want a future with her in my life, not right. only because of the children, but because she was a massive part of my life. And absolutely, and I, I. I want that future now. She is at a position where she's not there yet, and mm-hmm. then I will give her as much as she needs to, to to come to terms with the loss of, the loss of her husband. No, of course, I completely, I completely agree. And I think everyone, and I think the, the brilliance of your relationship, obviously, just from what you've been telling us, is that it's such a mutual respect thing. And she has given you the respect that you need and vice versa. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. And I think the fact that your children are so happy, um, it's not, as much as it's a, a really big thing, I think the transition has been kind of smooth yeah i think so i think if i if, if if i'm harshly critical on myself i think i've done things i've pushed boundaries i shouldn't have pushed too soon yeah to, in, in, to, to, to her and, and i think i've got to take responsibility for that you know i've, I've done things quickly mm-hmm. um and, and i can understand how from the outside it looks very quick the transition from from you know who i was 12 months ago to who i am now mm-hmm. it's 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 just massive, and yeah. the speed at which that was done, I, I can understand people from the outside looking in, thinking that has been quick. Mm-hmm. Though to me, this has been forty-five years in the making, um, yeah. and it's 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 that. Yes, it looks fast, and I think I have run fast in certain areas and made that mistake. But I I do think that you know, 
to me, it's it's actually been quite a slow journey. No, of course. I'm I think kind of playing. Yeah, and I think because of you are the individual that it's happening to, I think you would automatically feel that all you want to do is just live authentically and actually just proceed with your life. Yeah. That you feel like you probably feel like you've been on like a hamster wheel. That yeah. you're just waiting for that moment. And no, I completely, I completely agree. That, that's the recognition I think in me that you know, and this is perhaps a lesson for those transitioning later in life where they do have former relationships, serious relationships, marriages, and children. Is that you know you can't exist in a bubble. Decisions I make don't just impact me. No. Um, and that's that's a lesson I've learned through this process that actually you you can't exist in isolation. Actually, when I choose to do something, you know, if I choose to walk down the street as Kate, that has knock-on implications to a, a network of people, and I need to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. And to the start with, I wasn't. I was perhaps quite selfish. Yeah, I think I'm better. At that. Um, yeah, but that is it comes with the territory. I think of, of that transition. Yeah, of course, and that. And that's something what I kind of wanted to touch upon was like social and professional interaction. How has that been for you? And what what is what do you feel like it's going to be moving forward? Great question. So socially, I remember that the, the first actually is where social and professional meet a little bit because actually the first time I went out publicly, overtly as Kate, yeah, I'd been wearing women's trainers and women's jeans for, for a while, but it's you know, jeans are jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, it sated my dysphoria to an extent, mm-hmm. um, but nobody was any the wiser. Um, mm-hmm. But the first time I overtly went went out in public was to go to the office. Um, and it was probably towards the end of October, I would imagine. I think it was probably well towards the end of October last year. And I, I made this, I don't know why I decided this particular Monday morning was going to be it, but it was an address and I went into the office. The w- work had known, I told them, a month or so earlier about about Kate. Okay, um, I was going to say, it was it a complete yeah, enough? Not, no, no, shot. Not, not really, yeah, I told them, I told them about it, and this was kind of me getting them the confidence to go and do yeah. it. And I just went into work. Bold as you like, I got this. I was a really cute jumper, cute pair of jeans. I got gorgeous, some, some gorgeous slouchy boots on, and you know, I thought <laughs> I looked. Great. I, I look back, I look back actually at Instagram because I posted it. Because obviously I do, yeah. Um, and I kind of look at look at that transition from that very first public steps. And I'd got uh, there was no foundation. It was, a, it was a tinted a tinted moisturizer I was wearing. There was no lipstick, no, a hint of mascara, but nothing. And then I compare it to actually the the the, the woman I feel now is in in what three or four months mm-hmm. is is quick and actually is a big transition. But that that first day in the office. And I went into the office and I remember going going out at lunchtime, I went into the retail park, went to a subway and uh, and got a sandwich and just testing what it felt like. And I, I was kind of, I remember being stood there, really tuning into every conversation and every look and actually nobody cares. No. Nobody minds. And I think that's that, that, that experience brought about a, an awareness in me that of a spectrum of people out there. Yeah. And in my experience, anyway, there's a spectrum of people out there. And at one end is a, a very small but very vocal minority that speak out against what myself as a trans woman, yeah. what yourself as a gay man, what people mm. in the LGBTQ community mm. stand for and are. And there's, it's, it's, it's a small, but it's very vocal. There's, that's one end of the spectrum. Mm. The other end of the spectrum 
is actually it's a larger proportion, um, maybe slightly quieter, but it's a larger proportion of people that are willing to stand up and be allies and speak out and support of people yeah. like me, people, like yeah. me, people in the community. Yeah. That, but actually, you've probably got at least 60%, maybe 70% of people in the middle that don't give a fuck. A monkey's. Yeah. <laughs> don't give a monkey's. You're polite about that. I'm like, don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I self edited, I self -edited that. <laughs> don't give a monkey's what I do. Um, yeah. You know, I could walk down the middle of the high street in a bright pink tutu and a big yellow wig and they wouldn't even notice. And you know what? That's cool because they have their own lives. They have their own concerns. They have their own words. They're not bothered. Mm. And that is a really, that was a really encouraging awareness for me that I want to get across that. Actually, most people out there don't mind. No. It makes no difference to them. You may come across those people in the minority. You mm -hmm. probably will. Yeah. But if you build enough that resilience to have the confidence to go and face it and just walk out, as, as I did, and, and it that that first experience was very positive. Um, mm. And it was it was it was so cool, and that's kind of grown and grown from then. From then, I was that was kind of the birth, really, of of Kate in public and that continued pretty much every day i went to the office in an overtly feminine way yeah i pushed the envelope a little bit and it became quite a joke in the office that we have a competition with the other girl that uh who can wear the highest heels for longest <laughs> um i'm quite proud i'm winning <laughs> <laughs> i'm a winner <laughs> so it's it's been it, it's been real and then actually the way that the again it's not taking myself too seriously we have a real giggle about it in the office but how long I can keep these heels on that happen to be six inches high. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such a such a nice environment. And that kind of, yeah, as, as I learn my style, as I learn what looks good, as I learn what I'm comfortable with, and, um, I've made some mistakes, but I think I've landed somewhere I'm, I'm kind of pleased with. And I've spent, I've spent today pitching um, to, a, to a new client, you know, completely comfortably as Kate. Um, as I said, it was a complete, in a professional environment, it's been completely remarkable, or unremarkable, sorry. Because um, I just want to, I yeah. just want to quickly interject, I just, just for the people that are listening, you work in quite a, like, heterosexual, dominating male industry, don't you? And I don't, well, we obviously it's, won't talk about what you do it's but a line, it's, a line to, it's a line to construction and automotive and rail yeah. and utilities and it's a very uh, oil and gas it, it is a very um it's a very male dominated environment yeah. and a very traditional male dominated environment and you're just and i think it's like it's amazing that you, and again i think kudos to obviously your employer as well that the support they've given you that you can walk in to your workplace and be a hundred percent comfortable and i remember you saying to me the first time we spoke that you were pitching an idea and to a potential new client and the new the the person the people that you're pitching to they didn't necessarily give you the respect that you deserved and you told your boss about it and your boss was like well we don't want them as a client and i just think that's amazing i think that's so amazing that that conversation with with my with well, it's, the, it's the owner of the uh, of the business um to get that support from him and the mm -hmm. courage that he, I need to, I need to call it out that I won't mention the company name, but actually I need to recognize how positive that experience was with the, the owner of the business that said, said to me very quick, very, very 
very clearly, you know, if you encounter transphobia of any sort with existing or current clients, it doesn't matter. Just walk away, just walk out. And that, you know, that gave me such a, a, a validation, such an, a degree of empowerment. I could walk taller into meetings that I can be me. Mm. And, and I think actually that, that positivity mm. starts to rub off on us as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it, it certainly, it, yeah, it's certainly to have that support and have that backing is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, again, a, a lucky element of my transition that other girls don't have. Um, and that, again, something I'm super thankful for. No, I completely, I think it's amazing. So if there was a piece of advice that you could give to your fellow transgender women or men where they are planning to show themselves for the first time to the world, they're going to go out, whether they're going to go to work, they're going to go to Subway, they're going to go out with their friends, they're going to meet their family. What is a piece of advice that you would give? Wow, that is a really, really good question. I, can I give two? Can I can I start you, with can I start with yeah. taking it back? I, sorry, okay. I, should, I should never answer a question. No, so I'm going to go okay. back a little bit Actually, before they get before they even get to that point mm-hmm. where they are preparing to go out. Mm-hmm. My, my strongest piece of advice I could ever get to people in my position um, is to seek professional advice. Yeah. Seek that that counselling that I saw very early it's the foundation for everything else because once you've got that nailed down once you know who you are and what you want to do about it actually everything else whether it's going out in public for the first time whether it's buying clothes for the first time and whether it's putting makeup on for the first time it's just a process once you've nailed down that what you want who you are and what you want to be the rest is just a process Mm -hmm. so that's my first advice now i want to get across is 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 absolutely that the advice to answer your question directly Mm -hmm. wow the, the best advice is to just bloody do it. Um, <laughs> really, you, yeah. you work out, as I said before, that actually most people out there don't give a monkeys, and that's okay because they have their lives. Yeah. Um, the more we can be visible, mm-hmm. the better, mm-hmm. uh, and the bigger that proportion of people that will be allies becomes. And best advice, you go, girl. I love that advice. I love that advice. I think it's I think it's great. And I think we are at a stage in and this is this is like what I kind of wanted to bring to the surface is that we are at a point now in the world. And I think especially in my own life where enough is enough now, you need to do something. If you want to do it, you have to do it for yourself. And don't worry about what people are going to think or what people are going to say that's neither here nor there as long as it makes you happy and it makes and you have a, a great circle around you that's all that matters and i think that's so so important so i love that advice and one more thing i wanted to ask you was obviously we've discussed about you your transition who you are who you were before because i feel like it's really important that people on your instagram they know you as who you are but they don't actually know you so i'm asking you whether or not we can do a part two for the people that are listening so we so you can divulge if you will we're not we're not gatekeepers here we're not going to keep any secrets um discuss about 
what is the next steps for you in your transition what are the steps you've taken in respect of hormones speech therapy things like that um because as i say i feel like it's really important if you're happy to give that advice of course i will I, and i've always said whether i'm sharing on instagram or a platform such as this and i'm really pleased that i, I that you and i got in contact Robert. Yeah. So i think it's it's going to be a, a a good long-term partnership actually oh 100 percent. yeah of course. from the very very start from the very from the very start all i want to do is to tell my story and tell it in an honest way yeah um yeah whether it's good whether it's good so the insta fabulous stuff is fantastic yeah of course but yeah reality in there. And, and i think it's important that i i get that reality out there yeah i can be if i can help somebody if i can be the person that i wanted 12 months ago um i think that's so important so if people want to listen i'm humbled i'm honored um and i would gladly do it ross thank you so much i think i think people are going to love it and i just want to say that i'm really like i said i said at the beginning of the first part i'm really appreciative and i'm i'm really thankful that you've allowed me because sometimes in life the truth is a lot harder to deal with and listening to people's truths can also be quite hard um and living your truth can also be just heartbreaking however 95 percent of the time hopefully it works out the best way that it possibly can and i think with you um i'm so pleased that you're living your authentic unapologetic self i'm so pleased that you have a great relationship with your family and you have a great relationship with your existing friends. And I just want to thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. But thank you for, for having me on as your as, as your guest. It, no, it I, couldn't think of, I couldn't think thank of anyone better to have on as my first guest. I really, and this is the thing I've kind of, yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to preface what we were about, what Happily Ever Queer is about is the fact that there are queer people that we are going to be taught or that I'm going to be talking to and I want to listen to their truths and other people do as well. So that's what I'm here to do. You're doing a great job. And I genuinely, I wish you all the very best with this. Thank you so much. We will talk again, but I, yes. you deserve every success, Ross. It's great speaking to you. Great meeting you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. So that is the end of today's episode with Miss Kate. And she's been fabulous. She looks fabulous. And we are going to be contacting each other again. And there's going to be a part three, volume two. And Kate is going to give us all the information that people that are aspiring to be like her will want to hear. So thank you so much. I will be in contact soon. Lots of love. Take care. Lots of love. Thank you, everybody.